the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, May the 6th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 6, 1915, Babe Ruth hit his first Major League home run. He was playing then for the Boston Red Sox. They would later trade him to the Yankees, and that's where, if we follow baseball, we know Babe Ruth as the Yankee. But he started out with the Boston Red Sox. That trade became infamous, and to this day, I'm told, the baseball fans there in that area talk about it. They call it the curse, the Babe Ruth curse. A decision that should not have been made, I'm sure. I miss baseball, but uh, it will come in its time. Today, in 1527, German troops sacked Rome. They destroyed libraries. They actually captured the Pope. Thousands were killed. Today, in 1882, President Chester Allen Arthur, he signed the Chinese Exclusion Act, which barred Chinese immigrants from the U.S. for 10 years. It was about jobs. I wish we could have barred the Chinese virus for 10 years or more. Today, in 1877, Chief Crazy Horse surrendered to U.S. troops in Nebraska. Chief Crazy Horse led the battle against George Custer, Custer's last stand. Today, in 1935, the Works Progress Administration began operating under an executive order signed by President Franklin D. Roosevelt, the WPA. Today, in 1937, the hydrogen-filled German airship Hindenburg it caught fire crashed while they were attempting to dock it in New Jersey 35 of the 97 people on board were killed one guy a crewman that was on the ground he was killed today in 1941 Bob Hope did his first USO show before an audience of servicemen he broadcast his radio program from March Field in Riverside California Bob Hope is an interesting <clears throat> guy I never met him but his home was in North Hollywood. It was in Toluca Lake, which is just part of North Hollywood. It was just a matter of blocks from our church in there when I served there some years ago. And um, kids in our youth group would go down there and, and cut vines if when we would have productions and things in the church. They would decorate, and many of their parents worked in the industry, the film industry, so they had access to things that normally you wouldn't have. But they would go down there. And so when we first got to the church in North Hollywood, I was pretty new and getting oriented. And um, we were having a big something there. The kid, the youth in the church were putting it on. And and uh, they said, yeah, we can get all kinds of greenery and everything up the street. And I said, well, are you buying it? Where are you getting it from? They said, no, no, we just go up to Bob Hope's house. And he has this big hedge all the way around it. We just cut whatever we want. And I said, man, are you? should you be doing that? And this one kid speaks up and says, oh, yeah, my dad works over there where he work, where, where Hope is. And he's told me personally that we can go ahead and do it. And I said, are you absolutely sure? He said, yeah, no problem. And I guess it wasn't. It was never a problem. The kids knew him, I guess. I did not. But um, 
Interesting guy. The people that I knew who knew him liked him. They said he was great. A wonderful guy. Today, 1942, during World War II, some 15,000 American and Filipino troops on Corregidor Island, they surrendered to Japanese forces. That would be a very, very dark moment in the coming days for America and the Philippines. Today, 1954, medical student Roger Bannister, he broke the four-minute mile during a track meet in Oxford, England. He ran the mile in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. Today, in 1994, former Arkansas state worker Paula Jones, she filed a lawsuit against President Bill Clinton, alleging that he had sexually harassed her in 1991. Well, there's a report out there this morning by a number of organizations, Fox, Reuters, a whole bunch of them, business uh, magazines and so on. U.S. business shed 20.2 million jobs in April. Just in April. These are trying times. There's no question about that. I was reading scripture this morning, came across a couple of verses that I'd like to share with you today. I know this is wearing on with people. It is, um, it is, it's testing our culture and other cultures around the world. That a virus could do what it has done to the world is interesting. Michael Moore, who is a nutcase, but he's an award-winning filmmaker, he said this morning, he said, and I'm quoting him, coronavirus is warning before Mother Earth gets revenge over climate change. That's where this conversation is going on the left. But we need to keep our balance These are difficult times. There's no question about it. But we read verses like Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Well, we can't help but be afraid. And we can't help but get discouraged except that the Lord would help us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So when you get to get to feeling a little bit discouraged and a little bit, this thing gets to you, and it isn't imaginary, it's real. But when it gets to you a little bit, just busy yourself with doing something for the Lord. It doesn't have to be huge. I think none of us will become Billy Graham, probably. There will never be another Billy Graham, but do something for the Lord. Just anything. If you think about it, ask the Lord to direct you. God will direct you. Just do something for the Lord. Busy yourself for the Lord for a few moments and be surprising what happens. The fears, the discouragement, all of that tends to float away because we focus on God. That God is the only thing that's stable in our culture today and at any time, but particularly today. The Word of God stands 
absolute. And the closer we get to the Word of God, the more personal stability we're going to have. I see a rising, and I understand why, I see a rising um, tide of counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists on the air advertising their services, their books, their whatever, because people people are starting to wear a little thin. People's nerves are a little raw because we've been through a lot. Our culture, our culture was 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 roaring. The economy was good. People had jobs. That more blacks were working than ever before, and they were talking about it among themselves. More uh, Latinos and and others and and uh, the Mexican population were working and and I mean people it was it was positive and all of a sudden on a given day it just shut down and we didn't do what we were doing the day before and had been doing for a long time life was just rolling along and everybody was happy and distracted in many cases and the last thing we needed really was to go to the Lord and get on our knees and say God I need your help today there wasn't that sense of urgency, but now suddenly, in one day, we have a sense of urgency. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. But that does not mean that we should not be informed. For those of you on Twitter, and I know some of you that listen to this program or not, you've told me you're not on social media, or some of you don't have a computer, but you're not on, on social media. But let me tell you about this. Twitter, and that's used by the president and by a lot of people, millions and millions and millions of people worldwide. Well, they've come out with a deal. They announced it this morning. They, in fact, they put out a tweet to everybody on Twitter yesterday announcing that it would start today. They're experimenting with a feature that will warn you ahead of time so you don't accidentally infect other users with your wrong thinking. Think about that for a moment. When things get heated, this official from Twitter says, when things get heated, you may say things you don't mean. To let you rethink a, a, a reply, Twitter is saying, the executives, we're running a limited experiment on iOS with a prompt that gives you the option to revise your reply before it's published if it uses language that could be harmful. It's kind of a pre-crime action and they refer to the to a tom cruise film minority report i i haven't seen that but i'm aware of it twitter will notice when you're about to use a bad word or give some wrong information and it, twitter will give you the chance to avoid a rule violation and save your account from the digital gulag the oversight the overlord we're trying to encourage people to rethink their behavior and rethink their language, Twitter said, before posting, because they often are in a heat of the moment and they say something they regret, and then it's too late. Twitter's trust and safety department was having an interview with a person they didn't know. The head of that department just a couple of years ago was Olinda Hassan, and Project Veritas, the group that goes and talks to people at Planned Parenthood and so on on, on videotape, 
and they open up and they say, yeah, yeah, we're selling baby parts and all this kind of thing. That's okay. Well, these guys had a conversation with um, with Twitter and the the head, the executive, Olinda Hassan, about this particular project within Twitter. And they were planning this two years ago. Now they've executed it. But they also got rid of Olinda Hassan. She's gone because of the interview, because Project Veritas put it out there publicly. But in that unguarded moment, she was very honest and open about it. She said, this is one of the ways, she said, our trust and safety team at Twitter, she said, are working to get rid of, I won't use the word she used, but bad, wasn't bad, but get rid of blank people. And so they won't show up. Well, Twitter now appears to be taking a different approach. Instead of trying to get you not to show up if they deem you a bad person, this platform intends to train its users out of their bad behavior, kind of like a hunting dog. I remember we got a couple of hunting dogs when I was a kid so we could hunt pheasants and quail. And they always had to be trained so they'd know what to do when we took them hunting. It's kind of like that. Twitter is now going to be retraining its users so they will not be wrong-thinking but right-thinking users. I am not overstating this. One of the most famous users of Twitter, of course, is President Donald Trump. I wonder how that retraining process is going to go with him. I don't know. We'll see. But that's the world we live in today. Bob Martin, Bob Martin served in the United States Marine Corps. Thanks for your service, Bob, if you're listening. Lives in Snohomish, Washington. He also owns the Stag. It's a barbershop in Snohomish. He's now been forced to make a decision. Is he going to obey Governor Inslee or is he going to pay his bills? Is this the freedom that he fought for and others like him? He doesn't think it is. What do you do when you're labeled non-essential by the government? The barber who served in the U.S. Marine Corps decided to open his shop despite Washington State Democrat Governor Jay Inslee's order for non-essentials, non-essential businesses to be shut down for people to stay in their homes. It was supposed to be over about the middle of May. Now it's extended to May 31st. And this is not just in Washington State. It's across the country, particularly where there are Democrat governors. At first, Martin served his customers in a darkened premise. He said, he said, I just started opening the door. And a lot of my customers said, hey, man, I need a haircut. So they would come over and he said, I would give me haircuts. Then he said the local police there in Snohomish started coming over saying, I need a haircut too. Can you give me what? Yes, yes, of course. Well, Seattle's Como News says some business owners in Washington have had enough and they're tired of waiting to reopen their doors. Bob Martin doesn't stand alone in his feelings. But what he did, he, he, he told Como, he said, the Stag barbershop, barbershop, he said, has always been closed on Sunday throughout the years. He said, I've been doing this for 60 years. He said, that's what I know how to do is be a barber. But he said, when I saw the long lines appear over the weekend, when I said, I'm opening this thing, he said, I even stayed open on Sunday. He says he has only closed the shop once before in all of its history. He said it was back in 1995. He said, I'm quoting him, when I took a pack of string and went hunting in Idaho. 
Well, people are so supportive of him, Como News says. They're driving from Tacoma, Maple Valley, Bremerton, all kinds of places to support him. Snohomish, if you're not familiar, is north of Seattle. It's quite a drive from Tacoma to get a haircut. But Eddie Donovan, he showed up for a haircut. He said, I think this is fantastic. He said, I drove to this shop because I wanted to support Martin. He said, I don't want to see businesses go under because they can't open up. This is not an isolated incident. Hair salon owner Lindsey Graham of Salem, Oregon, was in national news yesterday. She and her husband owned six, I think it was six salons, apparently in Salem, Oregon. And that is how they earn their living. And they've been shut down, and she said they're just about to have to file bankruptcy. Governor Kate Brown kind of takes her marching orders from Governor Inslee. They correspond a lot. They're on the same page, both far left. Typical progressive-type Democrats, so-called progressive, doing the same thing. Graham, Graham says, I'm risking going to jail to do it. That's how important it is to my family. Oregon state officials have said, she said, those who don't comply with the order could face misdemeanor charges leading to a fine or time behind bars. Well, she's right. A Class C misdemeanor can give you 30 days in jail, $1,250 fine, or both. She said she and her husband own six, yeah, six of these, and she said if things continue as they are, we'll be forced into bankruptcy. It'll push us out of business. Como News said yesterday... Hair salons and barbershops in states like Georgia, West Virginia, Kansas have been allowed to reopen. Shops forced to remain closed in other states are like Martin, feeling the economic strain under the lockdown. Well, that would be an understatement, but it's true. Barbershops and hair salons are not unique, though, in being labeled non-essential. Many small businesses are considered non-essential by these elected officials, mostly far-left elected officials. These officials, uh, you know this, but has it occurred to you? These officials are not missing a single paycheck. They're overcompensated in many cases. It, I mean, being a politician is a little rough sometimes when you have to face the press, but the rest of the time, it's not that bad. They're well compensated. Their benefits are tremendous. Yet they make these calls based on their ideology as to whether a business lives or dies and whether the people that own it are forced into bankruptcy or not. And yet none of this touches them, really. They don't live in this world. Maybe they once did long ago. Jay Inslee was in Sela. I think he was teaching or running a law office there years ago. And maybe they don't remember. I don't know what they're thinking, but they seem to act like they don't know there are real consequences to the decisions they're making. And a lot of people are coming to that conclusion now. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't take very strong measures in getting us through this coronavirus. What I am saying is, what is motivating some of these decisions? Washington State Snohomish County Sheriff, he's asking the same questions. In fact, he said Tuesday, he said, I'm not going to enforce the law. A sheriff, he's elected. But he said, no, I'm not going to enforce the governor's law because he said it's unconstitutional. It's a violation of constitutional rights. Yeah. Sheriff Adam Fortney. He said, to be quite honest, I wasn't even sure what I was what I was trying to say. He said, when he heard 
um, Inslee make these remarks. He said, to be quite honest, I wasn't even sure what he was trying to say half the time. He has no plans. He has no details. This simply is not good enough in times when we've taken such drastic measures as the suspension of constitutional rights. The sheriff says, and I quote, as I have previously stated, I've not carried out any enforcement for the current stay-at-home order. He said, Washington residents have shown that they're capable of keeping themselves and their families and neighbors safe and healthy. And he noted a number of inconsistencies in Governor Inslee's decision-making. He said, who is and how is it decided who is (laughs) non-essential? Well, he said, and I'm quoting the sheriff, he said, our governor has told us that private building construction must stop as it's non-essential, but government construction is okay to continue. So let me get this right. According to the governor, if you're employed or contracted by the government to build government things, you can still make a living for your family in spite of the health risk. If you're a construction worker in the private sector, you cannot make a living and support your family because the health risk is too high. He said, how do you put all that together? How does that fit? Well, it doesn't. Others others are asking, why are pot shops, liquor stores, abortion shops essential? I mean, honestly, Why are they? I'm asking the same question. Why are they essential? Well, churches, pro-life clinics, they're non-essential. How do you make these decisions? It's based on what you believe. There's no format for it. It's because these decisions are subjective. Not as the far-left crusaders would claim based on science. They're not based on science. The scientists don't even agree. Fauci's saying one thing now, and others are saying other things. There's a whole group of scientists who are saying this virus absolutely came from the Wuhan uh, laboratory. And Fauci told the press yesterday, no, it didn't. He said, there's no evidence. Well, there is evidence. I'm not a scientist. All I know is I'm reading what both are saying, and there's a whole bunch of scientists, and they don't, they're not particularly right or left. I don't know what their beliefs are, but they're saying, yes, yes, it did. So, I mean, when you look at science, science is very important, but there's even an element of science that is subjective. Now Inslee's getting mad. He got very upset because people are not doing what he's telling them to do. It's because his decisions are subjective. There are no probably absolute right answers, 100% right, 100% wrong in this. Everybody's feeling their way through this. They get, should we use common sense? Absolutely. But why is, is why are people's ability to take care of themselves so diminished by the left in crises like these? Why is that? It's because they have an end agenda. And their goal, their ideology, is always considered so noble and so great that whatever means is necessary, it's justified. I'm not suggesting that there shouldn't have been measures put in place in all of this. Of course there should. I mean, who wants to run out and kiss somebody who has coronavirus? Nobody. So Inslee's upset. He told the press yesterday, he said, President Trump is fomenting domestic rebellion. This isn't rebellion. I've been watching these people in the streets and in the cities and not only here in the Northwest, but across the country. 
It's not rebellion. It's an attempt to survive. It's an attempt to pay one's bills. We've got to find that balance. You know that movie, Fiddler on the Roof? It's about change and cultural change. I don't like some of the message of the of the film, but it's a classic. And the main kind of the reoccurring theme in it is, is this guy playing the fiddle, Isaac Stern, I think it is, on the roof of this house, right at the peak, trying to keep his balance. And I think that's kind of where our culture finds itself today. Kind of a fiddler on the roof trying to keep our balance and play beautiful music and make life happen. It's well known that one of the core principles of the left is never to let a crisis go to waste in advancing the secular progressive agenda. I mean, it used to be said silently and in whispers. Now it's said right out loud. Hillary Clinton made the statement laughing that big laugh of hers the other day on, on the media just within the last several days. But beyond that, are the Jay Inslees and the Kate Browns and the Nancy Pelosi's of the world so elite and so above it all that they don't know that most people can't work from home? Or don't they care? A recent study came out, not from the right, but from the left. A recent study came out from the University of Chicago just a couple of days ago. I wrote an article about this today at faithandfreedom.us, and I put a link to some of the things I've said now and to this study from the University of Chicago. They concluded, it's a pretty in-depth study. It's very interesting if you're interested in those kinds of things. But they concluded that only 37% of the jobs in the United States can possibly be performed remotely. It also found, and again, they're not coming from a conservative point of view, but only 37% of the jobs in the United States can possibly be performed remotely. It also found that these remote jobs account for 46% of the wages. In addition to the obsession for advancing the far-left secular progressive agenda, there's a sense of elitism, kind of a class divide between those who work from paycheck to paycheck or they run small businesses by the seat of their pants because they don't want to work for somebody else. I know a lot of people like that. And there's a divide now between those folks and the elite, the securely employed, such as government bureaucrats, tenured professors, They're the people that are creating all the quote-unquote news from the left. These golden parachuted people who really don't have to face the realities that the rest of the folks do, whether they're beauty shop, barber shop, whatever. They are just inconvenienced by working at home. These other people are losing their lives. The next time you see an executive on TV telling us, we're all in this together, don't believe him. We're not. It's different. They're sitting in a comfortable environment with all the necessities being delivered to them by delivery people whom they won't touch. And we can't remain shut down waiting for a vaccine for 18 months from now. Their rent is due. Their baby needs food. And so do they. They, Their car needs gas and they need to work. What do you do? This is not rebellion. But let me tell you, the one thing that we who are followers of Jesus Christ, must do. We must ask God, what is he trying to teach us through all of this? And be sure that we get it. Thanks for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. We need your support. 
Thank you so very much. And thanks for being with me today. We'll see you right here tomorrow, and we'll continue this conversation.